UK Motor Talk, Michael Gates and James Baxter. Well, hello and good evening. I'm going to be honest with you. Many things have happened since we last spoke to you, largely due to the fact that we work in the motor industry, as you probably know already. If you don't know, well, we do, and that's just how it is. Now, now Jim and I both work together, and both of us have been doing the old regular 11, 12, 13-hour days this week, and today is Friday, which means that we've done literally some hours before tomorrow, which is another day in which we are legally allowed to work presumably and it's uh, well it's quarter to seven now and to be honest I, I've got another three or four hours work I could quite easily do today but hey we thought we'd uh, we'd take a little break and, uh, and have a chat with you good people yeah and, and I have many more hours work I probably could so should be doing this evening but likewise you know we, we are here and we are chatting some things are, are just well frankly more important I'm sure your boss will let you off work anyway oh well maybe he might allow me to leave <laughs> who knows um, so we have been really really busy so apologies that we haven't been here uh, I think I mentioned before that I'm building, and you may remember the Volvo and all the rest of it, which I've been driving a lot lately, um, and has subsequently broken and then fixed itself because one of my colleagues who was, well, he wanted me to keep up with him and his, his Merc, um, so I had a full throttle start and a five foot launch up the hill. Uh, he said it sounded fantastic but smelled terrible because all the fuel was coming straight <laughs> out of the Mac and all over the front of his car. It's probably what it's doing about three to the gallon at the moment. It's incredible. You start it up and quite literally the MPG drops by five. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the range drops by five, not even the MPG, so it, it clearly chucks a lot through the back. But uh, hell, that's that's what people do these days, don't they? If you if you want to have a sporty sounding car, then um, then yeah, you, uh, you you dump all the, through, the fuel through the exhaust. But uh, anywho, so yeah, that that's that is that is broken and now fixed, and uh, I am still building. Um, what is also broken now is me. So it turns out for those of you who have experienced pain, this is something they call carpal tunnel, which is in no way related to cars or indeed pools or tunnels. Yes, because we, we like a tunnel here, don't we? Just drop it a few cogs, windows yes. down, through you go, mm-hmm. but you, you've got a bad tunnel experience. I, I have a real problem with my tunnel, um, and this is, yeah, it's intensely painful, and as a result, I'm smacked off my tits currently on various different painkillers. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, having a, we're going to have a, a conversation this evening. Um, I, next to me, have... Uh, a lot of coke um, and, uh, and by that I mean the, the beverage kind uh, I'm drinking from a bottle Jim on the other hand has gone one up and found himself a pint glass and uh, yeah he's, he's drinking quite comfortably from his pint glass with his vape in hand he's, he's reclined in his chair presently so looking very chilled and just to uh, just to point out that other vegetable sugary based soft drinks are available is Pepsi okay on this note, then, just whilst we're on the, and just just in, before we go off on a tangent, well, bearing in mind this is a motoring program, if you will, Coca-Cola have the Christmas truck, the Coca-Cola truck, holidays are coming, all the rest of it, and we know that, that instantly means it's Christmas because, as we know, Father Christmas is only red and white because of Coca-Cola. Yeah, it should be green. Yep. However, what they or have if you're colour blind, a slightly indeterminate shade of grey. I think people, the people that, yes, indeed, <laughs> indeed. it could be any colour. The, the people that really win when it comes to company, drinks company cars, however, are Red Bull. Red Bull really do do, do this well. I mean, they've got planes and everything else that win Red Bull livery, and we know, obviously, we've got Formula One Red Bull cars, and we've got rally cars of Formula One. So when, it, when you say a Red Bull company car, I take it you're excluding the, uh, the Volkswagen Beetles that drive around with a massive fiberglass can of Red Bull shoved no. up their trumpet. The cars, the minis... Uh, those I think are very cool. Really, even yes. with the can of Red Bull stuck out. Yes, they look great because wow. you usually have um, 
two relatively attractive people. I'm not allowed to say women because this is... Um, Actually, funny enough, I, I applied for a job being the, the Red Bull driver at university, but didn't get through, not funny enough. Really. Didn't get selected. But. No, that's weird, isn't it? Hmm. I think if you'd... Um, maybe you didn't have the correct uh, assets. I don't know. I had blonde hair back in the day. Did you? All right. Yeah. Oh, ble- ble- bleach blonde hair. I so think Blink One Eight Two Reject, something like that, maybe. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. Why not? That was me. And if you remember Blink One Eight Two, send us a letter to uh, UK Motor <laughs> Talk, um, PO Box, whatever we are. Talking of Rebel, obviously in company cars and things, we've got quite a bit of a Formula One to discuss. It's uh, getting going, and I know you've just been you've <laughs> just you been know, raring to I, go. With I am it, raring to talk about Formula One, uh, as you know. Uh, I, well, the, the first question, of course, did you stay up for practice one at one o'clock this morning and did you get up for practice two at five o'clock this I'm morning? I was still at work. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> so I, so D- no, did missed, you have I them on in the background? Uh, no, no, no so I'm dedicated and focused. Uh, so unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that, but I assume that you did. Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I watched probably too, a little bit too much of practice one for my own good this morning and um, yeah, I was up early and watched the end of practice two as well. So I caught a, a fair bit of it. All that I really took from this was I wish I was somewhere warmer. Uh, yes, although they said the weather wasn't that good there, but it still looked a damn sight better than it does here, which is not hard, to be fair. Yeah, and if you're listening to this in three months' time or something, or who knows, next winter, whatever it might be, we had um, the winter, and we had the snow and everything else, and as I mentioned before, I, I took the opportunity to drive to the pub, which is fantastic. Two weeks later, it was summer, uh, and I was stood outside in a t-shirt, and it was absolutely fine, and now it's just blowy as but unfortunately yeah summer only lasted for two days didn't it yes. and because everybody was in shorts and a t-shirt everyone now has a cold because yes. it wasn't actually that warm we have a, a terrible problem with wind anyway back to the formula one uh yeah well first off the the sad, very sad news at the beginning of the weekend was the uh, the unexpected and, and shock death of charlie whiting uh race director and um Really, just advocate, good guy. Um, just, a, I think, a more dedicated man to Formula One. I think you'd struggle to find in the last 30, 40, 50 years. Um, always on the side of the drivers when they needed it, on the side of safety, the amount of campaigning and, and pushing rules through, and, and just his common sense and people based approach. It's it's staggering to see, really, the, the outpouring and the, the tributes to him all, all through the paddock, all across Twitter. It's been the first comment on, on everyone's lips for the entire weekend. All the, the hype leading up to the season, the, you know, it's always the same, the testing. And has everybody shown their hands? Have they been sandbagging? All the driver swaps we've had this year, all, all the excitement. But all, all the focus was on Charlie, first thing. Um, Rightly so. Yeah, I think it was, uh, well, I think it spoke volumes that, that they were talking about his replacement a couple of years ago. And, and they were just trying to work out how many people they'd need to hire to fulfil all his roles because when they sat down and looked at what he actually did, they just worked out it was impossible for one person to do everything he did. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, rest in peace, Charlie, and, and thanks for everything you've done for, for the world of Formula One, but not just Formula One, motorsport and, and cars and racing yeah. in general. Because, let's face it, everything that's, that's in Formula One in one way, shape or form, will generally filter its way down into other forms of motorsport um, and indeed eventually back into the road. You think about the developments we've had in terms of engines and performance and to, to have a kind of knowledge and, and love of a sport or something you do at that level does make somebody relatively irreplaceable. Um, and yes, like you say, a very fitting tribute indeed. Absolutely.
Godspeed. So let's, well, should we have a, a little run through? So we've had the, the first couple of practice sessions already. Um, so should, should we do a reverse reverse grid order as the initial pace looks and, and maybe discuss the best company cars from that brand as well? Because uh, I think we go back to a Red Bull and company cars and there's there's probably one man who has gone slightly down in uh, in the company car scale. Um, so should we, should we have a run through bottom of the grid upwards? Yes. Um, let's flip reverse it. Uh, and and take a look and see uh, what we have. And yes, let's let's shout out manufacturers and and we'll go for what is the best car uh, from their range. The best company car. That best you company have. car. Yeah. Uh, so well, unfortunately, propping up the uh, the timesheets by I, we had a feeling it was going to be bad, but not quite this bad. Uh, Williams, way mm. way way down the pack. Um, George Russell. Yeah, it's, it's an odd statistic actually. Every every driver that we interviewed over the. Uh, over Goodwood last year now has a full-time Formula One drive this year. So thanks to us. If you'd like to appear on the uh, Formula One grid next year, then uh, please get in touch with us and we'll, right we'll interview us. you. And that's the and, way. Uh, and they will appear. Get to talk free post. No, it's not free post. Don't do that. Let's not encourage that kind of thing. <laughs> PO box, whatever it is. Both cracking people to talk to and, and phenomenal mm. phenomenal drivers. Mm. Uh, George Russell and Robert Kubica. But yeah, but propping up the the timesheets by three four seconds, I mm. think, um, based on Lewis's sort of pace, which was blistering, already quicker than than pole time last year, despite the efforts to slow them down a bit. Mm. Uh, he did a one twenty two, so that's eighty two seconds times one seven percent. Eighty seven five seconds. If if the Mercedes wind it up a bit, and that's all that Williams have got, they're they're not too far off failing to qualify which for mm. multiple constructors world champions drivers champions uh, the, the heritage of the team to see them have fallen so far so fast and and so hard is is heartbreaking to be honest um, uh, you, you say this i have i have faith in the drivers absolutely i do and it's difficult, isn't it? And it's frustrating, probably more frustrating from them than anyone else. But you imagine you put the sort of money that's required to run an F1 team. We know it's expensive to run any race team. We know this. But the money to run an F1 team, you've got, out, you've got your sponsors and you're that far off the pace. It's embarrassing, really, isn't it? Yeah, all the, all the effort to, to finish last, but with, with the best engine as well. Or yeah. even if Ferrari are there or thereabouts, maybe slightly better, slightly worse. Mm. Um Renault and Honda certainly a bit behind uh, behind Ferrari and Mercedes, but to have pretty much the best or the second best engine and to be that slow is mm. unforgivable. Difficult. But all, all we can hope for is yeah, George is uh, is obviously a phenomenal talent. He's he's very keen. He's got a lot to prove. Got youth on his side. Sound like an old man when I say things like this, but <laughs> but in reality he does, doesn't he? Yeah, you you come into your peak when it. There are perishable skills, and although there are phenomenal drivers out there, and they really are, you know, you, physically, there are going to be times when you're going to be at your your absolute best, and, and I think he still has that to come, actually, George Russell. Oh, definitely. But all all we can hope to see out of the pair of them, really, and and obviously Roberts come back this year. I think just even to get in in any sort of racing car again, mm. let alone a Formula One car, and and testing and. Things like that is is one thing, but to be back racing and and whatever else with with everything he's gone through is is a phenomenal story, and and we wish mm. the pair of them all the best. All we can hope is they they push each other hard all year and just drag whatever else they whatever they can out of the car, and 
hope for a wet race or a, a Baku style bit of carnage and see them come through it and, and maybe scrape a few points. But mm. so um, they'll uh, they'll both presumably be in Mercedes. So what are we thinking for? It's, it's got to be slightly down the the back of the grid. It can't be the the top of the line premium. So what do we reckon they're both running? I well I don't know. I think they're going to be running something like a an E sixty three AMG that type of level. But if I was choosing, I kind of would like to have a look at the new AMG A45. See, I was thinking A-Class, just purely because of the uh, the, the Mercedes, McLaren, Mercedes West branded mm. A-Classes that, that Coulthard and Hakkinen got to exactly. smoke around in in, yes. uh, in the late 90s. So yeah, they'll both be in A-Classes. Yeah. I, I, Ho- hopefully not an A180 SE. No. Well, they, they do, of course, they A35 now, which is a 2-litre, 300 sort of Golf R... S3 type contender, which is a bit odd because I think it maybe dilutes the AMG brand a tad. And then you have the, you know, the, the the crazy A45 AMG, which is just mad inside the screens. It's, it's a lot of it. It feels like a very and thoroughly modern car. Augmented reality, sat nav. I'd, I'd be quite happy running one of those. Oh dear, they've stuck Valtteri Bottas in a Geely 350 diesel. Jim has now Googled what the company cars are. Of some of these drivers. slightly out of date, but uh, according to this, it's a GLE 350 diesel coupe, which Great. is one of those funny crossover SUV, too big to be sensible to drive around town, but a weird shape, so you can't actually fit anything inside it. I would apologise to you if you drive one of these things, but I completely agree. I think what is the point? Decide. Do you want a coupe? Do you want a four by four? Pick one. You can't have both. Pick pick one. It's like the, the BMW X6. I had one of these very briefly as a company machine. Um, it cost me an absolute fortune in tyres. Well, not me. It cost the company an absolute fortune in tyres. It wasn't an X5, and it wasn't a coupe. It just looked ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And the same thing with this diesel, whatever it was. I, I, in fact, I'm, I don't even know what it is. It, I lost interest halfway through the, the sentence when it was a GL something coupe. Just pointless. So what are we going to stick George and, uh, and Robert in then, the AMG A35? 45. 45. I, think, I think they deserve the 45. Okay, fair enough. Um, and that will be ridiculously quick and quite agile, and I think they'll probably quite enjoy that, to be honest. Excellent. Like leaving the smart diesel at home. <laughs> so... <laughs> the Williams smart diesel. Why do people buy smart cars? They're not smart, and they're not clever. No. And quite incredibly, one nearly took uh, Mrs G out on the roundabout by being in the right-hand lane and turning left twice at two separate roundabouts. Excellent. And then the left-hand lane and turning right at a third roundabout. Are they, was it a left-hand drive one? Maybe they thought they were abroad. Moron. <laughs> um, just, uh, uh, let's leave it at that. Um, right, so, yes, McLaren. Uh, yeah, I was hoping we'd uh, it would be a bit of time before we spoke about McLaren again, because I think, well, like Williams, uh, a team that's fallen from grace fairly spectacularly. Um, their switch away from Honda engines appears to have had the, the opposite effect. In, in fact, it's, it's quite a long time before we talk about a Honda-engined car at the top of the timesheets. Um, so it does make you wonder what's gone wrong there a little bit. But uh, McLaren and Renault's, but they've got Sainz and Lando Norris, another new Brit joining this year. So obviously we wish him all the best. Uh, again, an exciting talent. I think Ren George close on on pace, race pace, reasonably often last year in uh, in Formula 2. Not, not quite consistently enough there to be challenging at the end, but they're all thereabouts and on his day. He could certainly 
match George. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on uh, up against Carlos Sainz. Do you think Sainz has gone there because there was nowhere else to go, really? I mean, to be totally honest, I don't think you'd choose to go to McLaren at the moment, would you? Or would you? I think it depends what you want, doesn't it, really? I think if you want the opportunity to prove what you can do under whatever circumstances, I mean, it's so tight, really, isn't it, when you think about the speed that these cars can do and and the aero and the brakes and everything else that they're equipped with. Well, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's worth pointing out when we're talking about now from the, the team who are looking like they're ninth, their, their best lap across the um, couple of practice sessions, it's seven tenths before we get up to P2. So... P2 to P18 is, is going to be mighty, mighty close, which is yeah. good to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and this we aren't talking a, a huge amount of time here, we are really. This is, apart from Williams. Apart from Williams. Let's, yeah, poor Williams. Um, but, yeah, you say seven tenths, it's, it's nothing really, is it? No, not at all. So, we've uh, yeah, we've got Science and, uh, and Lando. The car looks to be much improved, at least they should be back in that midfield scrap somewhat more consistently. Um, obviously they've lost Alonso was a full time race driver who's still there as an ambassador and they're looking after him in IndyCar and various other bits and pieces mm. um, had a rumour he'll test the car a couple of times this year I mean to be fair if, if the car improves throughout the season and, and there's a sniff of podiums or very strong points finishes they're going to wing him out aren't the they yeah they, they, they'll dust him off and he, yeah. can, uh, he can pee in Lando's seat for him whilst he covers for him one weekend so yeah, well they run they run Renault engines. So McLaren as a as a customer team, what are we thinking out of the Renault range? Hopefully no. not, not the Clio, no. not the Clio as uh, as discussed. Um, the the current Megane R, um, I think, is the option or the upcoming Megane R. Yeah, if you're going to buy Renault, I think it's got to be one of the R range. Generally speaking, my experience Renaults they look good. They're pretty woeful to drive. They're pretty poorly built. Well, we've got to be a bit careful. Here. We we can't go top of the range in inverted commas sporty Renault so we've got the Renault works team to come so we can't have you know we didn't put George and Robert in the uh, the AMG project one so we've got to be a bit careful we can't uh, we can't go all out now so, oh but some of them are dreadful and I mean, most of them are dreadful most of them are dreadful oh god yeah, it's, it's, no, it's, got, it's going to have to be I'm sorry it'd have to be a Megane RS um Renault Sport cars, they don't deserve to be called an RS because, frankly, they're not. They are Renault Sports, um, but they are incredible cars. Um, I drove an R26R, the one with the scaffolding and the carbon bonnet. Um, so the cup edition of that, that was that was fantastic. Even the little Twingo cups are quite good fun, to be honest, although they constantly ruin all their suspension components because they're too hard. Um, and they oh, don't really need an excuse to fall apart four years old. We've uh, we've got two uh, two trim levels here. We've got RS two eighty and RS Trophy. Trophy's the one to have, yeah. Uh, for, well, the McL- for the McLaren drivers, the top of the range. Fine, we'll give them the two eighty then. Fair enough. It does look a bit. <laughs> it does look a bit flat compared to the old one, though. It's not, and they've they've adopted the. I would say the focus RS approach, but that's still a bit asbo. Um, it's not as bold from the man driving a bright yellow car with a stupidly loud exhaust. Yes, I do that. But yes, I have, and, and of course, did have the full Larry Chav spec Chav wagon RS as well, didn't I? To be honest, you did, you did. Mm. Nice car when it worked. Lovely car when it worked. Yeah, <laughs> did spend some time, quite literally, some time broken, um, and yeah, didn't really recover from that uh, because every time uh, I saw anybody, they said, "Oh, how would you drive? Drive? How's your head gasket? <laughs> oh God, here we go again. Still broken. Still broken. Anyway, 
back to uh, back to the game. Are the McLaren drivers not allowed a McLaren then? Uh, do they deserve it yet? Do the McLaren drive not do the McLaren drivers deserve a McLaren? They'd probably be faster around a track in a McLaren, an actual McLaren, than well, it would you, be in a racing I car. I thought the game was engine manufacturers. <laughs> ah, so you chose the wrong Well, actually, to be fair, if if you have to drive around in a McLaren, then why not drive a McLaren? So you're going to be driving a Senna. There's no question of this. Because that instantly you look at that and go, oh, it's lightweight, it's covered in carbon fibre, I need one of those. Oh, I'll be thundering around Zanfor or something. I can imagine, I can, that's exactly what you would do. You'd go straight straight to the top of the tree and go there. I'd have a P1. You like the ones where you can see your legs through the side of it and all the rest of it. But the P1 is, is just bonkers, isn't it? And it's a hybrid, so people will praise me for not clubbing to death baby seals. Uh, McLaren's in a GTR that uh, GTR is not road. Oh, what is that? Uh, Jim is currently looking at a uh, a roadster of some description on the McLaren website, and I've seen it and I quite like it. Seven twenty S Spider, good choice. Okay, right. So having quite literally just stated that I'd have a P one, I'm looking at a seven twenty S Spider, and it's yeah, it's um, it's the kind of car that if you walked into a showroom, you could be tempted to leave a deposit on. Definitely, yes, that'd do rather nicely. So, okay, yeah, we'll uh, we'll ignore the uh, the sponsors' commitments to the engine manufacturer, and we'll uh, we'll go with the McLaren seven twenty then. S. Yes, why yes. not seven twenty? Yes, Spider sorted. So, at the moment, I think that the McLaren boys are winning the best company car. Definitely, yeah. Next up, Face Racing Point Four Stroll Stroll Strongula Lancelot, whatever they're called, Peso. Why didn't they call themselves Lancelot? Well, we were expecting a whole rebrand, and then there's just some more blue on the car, which looks horrific. Um, Underwhelmed yes. by Racing Point. Uh, although, I think they've missed the Racing Point. <laughs> uh, although, reasonably solid showing, and, and the car looks looks reasonably okay. Nothing too earth-shatteringly inventive on it, but it looks solid. it would be interesting to see how having a few hundreds of millions or billions of pounds poured into it will affect the team. They were always phenomenal at doing a wonderful job with very, very limited resources. All their development always seemed to be on point. Uh, you know, never had to go backwards in terms of development or take things off the car because they weren't working. Um, always understood any upgrades they were bringing along well. So whether the money will mean they'll carry on in that vein and just develop things quicker and quicker as the season goes on, or will they go down the route of being able to explore many different avenues because they've got the money and will that actually affect them for the worse? We'll have to wait and see. Mm. But Lance and uh, Lance and Sergio, uh, so uh, what racing point got in the back of there? They've got a Mercedes, haven't they? It's a bit odd. It's, so, another, it's another Mercedes customer team that's so low down though, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is actually. Yeah, again, there's the. I think the, the spread money, if we look at... Williams back from when they were doing okay that was 2014 they were well they were leading the British Grand Prix at one point in the early days of the V6 hybrid turbo if you had a Mercedes you were pretty much right at the sharp end of the grid or certainly above everybody else but not anymore no I think that a couple of seasons worth of development does mean that, that everybody's caught up and it's a little bit mixed up I think which is good. It's good to see. Mm, I think that they deserve to have a whatever that thing was, a three fifty GLD something diesel. Just just as a punishment for the awful livery. Exactly, and then with odd bits of it painted in blue. 
Uh, okay, so should we go away from the AMG range then? So we're just yes, looking definitely. At, the, at the normal range. Oh, what's that? What about a B class? Oh, yes. B, do they do a B class AMG? Because I think that's fair. I hope not. AMG. Well, do you remember they used to do an, an old shape AMG A class? My cousin had one of these. Yeah, very peculiar. Was it, a, was it, was it an A? Well, they, they've still got the old B-Class on the website, so let's have a look oh. at those. Oh, no. Can you still buy that car with steel wheels? Let's have a look. Right, I'm bored of Racing Point, Toro Rosso. Here we go. No, we'll, uh, we'll go oh, a B200D. Oh. Diesel. Yeah. 2.1, it would appear. 2.1 and a bit. The only people that bought Mercedes with hubcaps are the kind of people that want to have a flashy image of buying a Mercedes but are poor. <laughs> what they should have done is gone out and bought the equivalent Golf or Focus or any other respectable... Oh, and you can buy it in brown. Oh. There we are, a B-Class SE in brown with... Uh... Just go and buy some you know, respectable middle-class, middle-England car and the... just drive around to that. Don't buy a Mercedes with hubcaps on because the they are interior. poor. And non-colour-coded door handles. There you are, with a crystal, crystal grey leather or Sahara beige leather. It's got to be beige, beige. doesn't it? There we are. Definitely so beige. So in brown with beige leather. Sort nice. Of. Right, Toro Rosso. Yes, Daniel Kvyat back again for the third time, I think it's been. He, he's uh, dropped into Toro Rosso, but hopefully rediscovered his, his form, his motivation, and he certainly seems a lot happier. And hopefully he can give uh, give the team a good showing. So I think if he doesn't, then he'll get booted out again rather swiftly. And Alexander Albon, excited to see what Alexander can do. At least he's got a, a, f- <laughs> <laughs> a decent uh, benchmark in Daniel. But he's uh, I think he's got to, to beat Daniel, really, hasn't he? Otherwise, I think it could be quite a short career. Uh, but Honda Engines in the back of the Toro Rosso ran those last year. And they seemed infinitely more reliable than they had been in the back of the McLaren. Um, and the pacing there or thereabouts as well. So the Honda passed their probationary period, I suppose, with the junior team, and and Red Bull have taken Honda engines for this year as well. So Honda, but not the top wax. They're not the top Honda team. So and to be honest, we're going to stick them in. Bearing in mind, the Honda looks like it's been designed by five or six people at once. The Type R. This is, uh, you know, I think if I was going to have any Honda. The only Honda that really interests me is an NSX, but that's a, that is the top wag. That is the top wag. So uh, actually, no. What about the Honda EV concept? Yeah, but you see, I've seen pictures of this recently, and bearing in mind how much we loved, and I mean loved, the original concept of Geneva, where you had the two hundred five slash Mark One, Mark Two Golf influence and everything else in it. The images I saw the other day made it look a bit too cutesy, and that's a shame. Did it look a bit too much like a Fiat Five Hundred, maybe? Yeah, you see, it's got to have that boxiness to it that is the throwback to the 80s. It is the, if you think back to the sort of era of Johnny Five and all that kind of thing, uh, I like the idea that it's it's got what the 80s thought the future would look like vibe about it. Exactly. That That's good. And I, I would drive one of those. Well, not necessarily a cutesy one, but yes, <laughs> I'm with you. So we'll uh, we'll save the uh, the NSX for later up in the list, but we'll put them in the in the EV concept car. Do that. Excellent. Uh, next up, Haas. Haas. It's only got two A's in it this year. I thought they were going to rebrand with Hagen three. Haas. Hagen Haas. Yes. Uh, with Roman Grosjean and uh, Kevin Magnussen again, slightly slightly underwhelmed by the drivers, if I'm honest. 
slightly underwhelmed by the livery. Black and gold, that, that really should have been something quite special. Um, really bored. Next person. Let's go. Yeah, Haas. Uh, well, engine that Haas run. Ferrari. Could, could have yeah. been JPS, couldn't it? The, yeah, John exactly. Yeah, that's, that's what it should have looked like, but unfortunately it didn't. Um, and sponsored by a company who, as far as I can see, don't sell a product anywhere. Do you not sell ice cream? That's Hagen-Dazs. That's Hagen-Dazs. No, this Pleasure. is a Rich Energy. Um, oh, and the uh, one of the guys first tweets on about after four laps of testing when the house had done two laps and the Red Bull had done three laps or something like that. And he, he tweeted out saying that they were faster than Red Bull and beating Red Bull already. So I think uh, I think he's going to get a bit of a shock later on in the season. I think that's a, that's going to come crashing down hard. <laughs> I see what you did there. Anyway... Uh, so, Ferrari engine in the back of the Haas. So, actually, they get some quite good company cars, don't oh, they? Oh, well, yes. Let's face it. You're going to be relatively happy driving the Ferrari. You would. You would, wouldn't you? Uh, so, obviously, we can't go very, very top of the line as they're uh, they're not the Ferrari A team. So, what are we thinking? Well, everything Ferrari is sort of top of the line, isn't it, really? There's not it any... Is, yeah, I don't think they make a, a bad car. There's, there's certainly no entry level. There's no... Um, there's no B class in the Ferrari range. What is the area at the entry level? Four eight eight. Not sure. Possibly. Possibly. I don't. I don't really know. You're doing well if that's your entry level car, isn't it? Yep. I don't think they deserve it either way. Um, no. So that's good news. They're going to get a Fiat. Yes, let's do that. Or any anything from the Fiat Chrysler Group. Oh my <laughs> God! Do they still make a Chrysler Upsilon or whatever it was called? Let's have a look. Well, not not for our country, but of course somewhere in the world. I'm sure they can get hold of them. Fine. Let's uh, let's have a look at Chrysler.com. American team, so it'll be uh, American cars, won't it? Let's Ugh. have a look. Chrysler's amongst the worst cars I've ever driven. As far as I can see, they only build three cars these days. Or 300. A Chrysler Pacifica or a Pacifica Hybrid. Uh, I think a Pacifica is the modern equivalent of a Voyager, if you remember those. Okay, let's have one of those. That 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 noise means that Jim is really enjoying the Hon- the uh, whatever it is, Chrysler Pacifica. Jesus, he's really. Like he's how can nice. you design? How can you be a car designer? <sighs> finish designing a car that looks like that and stand back and go, "Yes, I've done a good job." No, nobody listening to this is going to have any clue what this car is. But by the same token, we strongly suggest you go and take a look at it. If, if nothing if, else, if you want to feel better about your life, or have a, you're look, driving, have a look at a Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid, yes. and just be glad you're not driving. If that. you have the misfortune of currently driving a Chrysler Sebring or an Upsilon, look at this and realise your life could be worse. It always could be worse. Yeah. Okay. Next team. So that's for them. Renault. Again, Renault, it's got to be the same as before. Well, so Nico Hülkenberg staying on there. He's been there quite a few seasons now, but one of the biggest shocks of the uh, driver market last year was Daniel Ricciardo moving from Red Bull. You get a Zoe? Uh, I think a Twizzy. Oh, yes. I think a Twizzy. They, I think it would look good in a Twizzy. They do an F1 edition Twizzy. And I do. Actually, I think the Twizzy are quite suit Daniel Ricciardo because he's a bit, a bit quirky, a bit laid back, a bit... In his villa. Yeah. As a way of getting downtown. A bit uh, a bit out of the ordinary, so... I, I have yeah. to say, of all the cars I've driven, people really look at you if you're driving a Twizzy. 
partly due to the fact that you can see through the side of it unless you pay extra money for the doors. <laughs> um, so what happens is, when you're sat down, and let's face it, most people, seated isn't the most flattering look. And if you are, let's say, mm, of a larger carriage, or um, slightly festive, and then what you can really see is a man's belly side on. And so if you're rocking the dad bod, like me, then actually, no, not good. But actually, for a couple of fit, toned, athletic Formula One drivers, then the Twizy is perfect. Perfect. Excellent. Yeah. Sorted. They can have that. Yeah. Or sh- should we apply Andrew's very tenuous stretching of the rules and um, for Renault go for the Alpine? Oh, I, the, the, the Alpine A110 is possibly, possibly my favourite car of the minute. I see it. I, I absolutely love it. I love the way they look. I adore the shape of the car. I, I, I love the classics. I love the way that they've made it retro, but not made it sort of chintzy and cute and, and a pastiche of the original. I absolutely love that car. I loved it when we saw it at Geneva. I love it even more now. I want one, and I would have one over the equivalent Porsche. Very strong. I would. But <laughs> the bits that are Renault in it are the bits I wouldn't want. So the switch gear and everything else in it aren't great um, but the car itself I absolutely love I, I would quite happily pay my own money for one of those should we, should we put one of the Renault drivers in a uh, in an Alpine then or which one do you like the most uh, well Ricardo but as we said the Twizy I think fits more with his it does I think we personality I think we can give him both Twizy for around town and the, uh, the Alpine for weekend getaways I, I love that car sort I absolutely of. adore that car no good uh, good luck to Daniel Ricciardo, one of the, the friendliest, happiest guys in the paddock, without a doubt. Yep. Interesting move to go from Red Bull to Renault. I think that was wrong. Uh, wrong. Do you think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We shall see. Look, lots Maybe. of people said the same about Lewis going to Mercedes, and yes, you look it's at where right for him, isn't it? Button, Barrichello, and the Braun team were at the beginning of um, mm. or end of two thousand and eight, beginning of two thousand and nine. So stranger things have happened, but hopefully, as the um, all the engines close up and, and the engine disparity is less relevant. They can close up again, but they mm-hmm. last won the Constructors' Championships in, what, 2005, 2006. So chances are there's still most of the same people there. So I'm sure they know how to, to build a, uh, a championship-winning yeah. car. Work to do. Let's talk about Kimi. Yes. Because Alfa Romeo, I get a bit excited about the Quattro Fellatio. <laughs> um was it Quattro Formaggio? Is that four cheese? That's four cheeses, that is. is it must be Quattro Fellatio, is that right? Foglio. Oh, right. I don't know what a Foglio is or why there are four of them, but... Does it not mean four leaves? Jim is currently um, Googling Quattro Fellatio. Sheet. Sheet? Sheet. Sheet? Sheet. Sheet? Four sheets. Four sheets. They don't, they can't be. To the wind? And actually, that fits in quite well with Kimmy. One of his most famous quotes that he missed a, uh, a presentation on the grid because he was having a sheet. A so sheet. That, a sheet. He was, he was having he was a reading sheet. a sheet. Yes, yes, he was having a sheet for for the purposes of this family show. And he's uh, famously uh, an alcohol enthusiast, so being four sheets to the wind, I think that fits quite well. I, it, whatever happens, I want one of those. Perfect. Yeah. Good um, luck to them. Good luck to Kimmy, and good luck actually, to. Alfa Romeo Sauber, although the Sauber names disappeared completely, but they're still mm. Sauber. I think I would have a Quattro Fellatio over an M3. 
It looks nicer. It does. I think I'd enjoy it more. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway. Good. Uh, Ferrari, we're back to that again. La Ferrari for Vettel. See, I'd stick Vettel and uh, and Charles Leclerc in uh, different cars, and I'd stick Charles in the better car, just to put the cat amongst the pigeons a bit. I think we're going to wind him up. Just top, top prediction, I think Charles Leclerc will win the championship this year. Ooh, there you go, put your bids in now. Red Bull, Verstappen. Have we finished Ferrari? Yes, we finished Ferrari. Dear, oh dear. Uh, Red Bull, Honda. <sighs> Again, Verstappen, sex or not? They've, uh, are they badging the engines, badging the engines as Aston Martin this year, or is it Red Bull, Aston Martin, Honda, Tag Heuer? Well, what's really confusing is Aston Martin road cars are using AMG engines. Yes. So. But the engine used to be badged Tag Heuer, who make watches, but they're also sponsored by Aston Martin. This is a bit very like, confusing. That this is a bit like those those gloves you can buy, which are Mark Jacobs by Mark Jacobs from the Mark Jacobs range. That's by Mark Jacobs. Is is for very peculiar. Whatever is in the back of the Red Bull definitely has an identity crisis, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes. This is a short answer. I have nothing to add on this. And then finally up to Mercedes, who I think had uh, had been a bit worried or whether they were sandbagging or just running through their programme and ignoring everybody else seemed to be running well in the first couple of practice sessions Lewis seemed rather down though he seemed deflated and moody and not really wanting to talk to anyone throughout the first bit of the weekend um, I think he can be like that can't he? Uh, I think he can yeah especially when he thinks that the car's not not there or thereabouts but looking mighty quick in the first couple of sessions so as they're still at the top got to be a project one for both of them isn't it? I think so. He, he drives a Zonda, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, but he says it's awful to drive and he crashes it quite a lot because he's tired. We know that they're, they're not the best to drive. Because <laughs> we... From all our, all our experience. <laughs> well, we, we from, from our experience in that it takes a 28-point shunt and many stalls to get it out of a tight parking space, as we've tried. Well, that's true, yes. And, and also, if it's just a little bit damp, it is very easy to nearly write the thing off on the, uh, the A27. This happened to a friend of ours. Um, yes. on, and, yeah, and unfortunately, one of his, his guys, he was taking it to a, charity, uh, to a charity track day. Lovely, lovely man that he is. Um, not the guy that was driving. He might be a lovely man, but uh, <laughs> the, the owner of it, this is a one-of-one edition. One yes, the, the, one of his employees spun it and uh, put it into a barrier front and back. Yes. Um, and it made an awful, awful mess, and he was incredibly good about the whole thing, um, which, is, which is great, because he's a lovely man, and yes, fair play to him. He does a lot for charity, and, and he's just generally a nice guy, and it's nice to meet people that are into the cars, and... This has been the case with drivers and other owners. Actually, if you're into your cars, you don't be into your cars, and you can chat to people who are also into their cars. Uh, and that goes for people whether you drive a Stant Subaru uh, or Volkswagen, um, or whether you drive, I don't know, anything really. An AMG Project One. AMG Project One. There we are. So that uh, briefly rounds up our, our chat about what we would drive from the teams. It turns out you haven't really got that much choice anyway, because you've basically <laughs> got Honda, Mercedes, maybe McLaren or Renault. So. From the pick of the cars we had there, bearing in mind we had some quite expensive motoring, it's got to be the Alfa Romeo Quattro Fellatio, and it's got to be the Alpine. Those two, the the, the, the Quattro as the family car, the even, Alpine... Even over the B200 diesel. Do you know what? It would might just blow the B200 diesel out of the water. Just a bit. And that really does sum up our section on uh, Formula One company cars. <laughs> 
I've not done with Formula One entirely though, and I want to steer us back into the BTCC. Partly because I find the BTCC more interesting. I prefer road cars that are race cars, or at least look vaguely like it, which is why you know the rally and, and BTCC stuff really tickles my pickle. But I want to talk to you about Blundell. 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 I want to talk to you about Blundell. Not Brundle, but Blundell. Blundell, indeed. Back driving S3. That's going to be exciting, I have to say. Well, certainly for you. You get to see get to see your car smoking around the track. I do. Yes. No, that's. I think that's what attracts a lot of people to the BTCC in the mm. first place. It's oh, I could buy a car that looks pretty much almost exactly like that as a road car, and that's certainly part of the appeal. On at least on the outside, underneath yes. the skin, there's not a lot of an S3 left or or any yeah. of the cars really. I've noticed the door mirrors are the same, and uh, the door handles maybe. I think the headlamps look pretty good. They look pretty similar to the originals. Uh, yeah, I think they're spot on. The rest of it is fairly well body kitted or replaced with. Yeah, it's not a lot as carbon there. or fiberglass or Kevlar as appropriate, but yeah, lots of fiberglass. And surprising, this really surprised me when I first bought it, and you, I think, that they make the splitters out of wood. Uh, yeah, I think they said just for for cost reasons because they get smashed to pieces so often, making them out of anything else. Yes, just wouldn't be cost effective. And unless you're building a super touring car, so something like the old. Um, 93, whatever it was, the 97 was the sort of the real expensive Super Tour, wasn't it? That Mondeo, the Mark II Mondeo they made. Yeah, well, I think, that it, but it just became simply unsustainable, even for the, the biggest manufacturers. They just couldn't justify the investment in it. Um, um, I, I, well, I don't really care, actually, that it was too <laughs> expensive for them because I just thought they were brilliant. Yeah, but to be fair, for, from the outside watching the cars go around the track, does it matter if a splitter's made out of wood or carbon fibre? Doesn't matter what most of the cars made out of, whether it's iron or steel or carbon fiber. I think what's incredible really. is that, generally speaking, we find ourselves obsessing over the cars and the details and how clean they are and how perfectly applied the decals are and everything else. I've not stood next to a proper race car that's not been restored and an actual racing, proper racing car that's racing now in its correct period or whatever. Um, that doesn't look a little bit ropey around the edges, a little bit... You know, the stickers always have a few bubbles in, there's always a bit of a scuff here and there, panels don't quite align properly. A few, a few zip ties holding things together on the outside. Yeah, motorsport how, how it should be. Yeah, and, and actually, I think that's quite right. But uh, Formula 1 drivers in BTCC are always exciting. Uh, yes, it will be... Uh, Blundell always had a... A reasonably elbows out approach to racing anyway so I think the, the British touring cars should uh, should fit his style quite well yes so looking forward to that happening and we have got BMW back in it again yes so your car you'll be able to see flying around as well because the 3 Series is now competing with Andrew Jordan at the wheel uh, yes looking forward to that slight uh, growth in size instead of a, a 1 it's now a 3 um, be interesting to see how uh, they get on although again as we say how much is uh, under the skin Old or new, we shall see. To my mind, a coupe shape or saloon shape is better balanced. And I think the British touring cars should all be saloon cars or estate cars. That's because you live in 1993? Yes. Yeah. And actually, when you think BTCC car, you think 850 Volvo? Yes. Um, And you know what? I kind of do too. S40 or Peugeot 406. Yeah, only time under Accord and the Lagunas, all of them looked good. Yes. There wasn't a bad looking touring car in period. No, not at all. Even no. the, even a Vauxhall Vectra looked. Nice. Yes, I think partly because they had ridiculously big wheels. Yes, 
I wish they don't do anymore because they all run 18s, don't they now? Yeah, good for sensibility and handling and yeah, boring things like that. And actually, when we've run some sportier bits and pieces, they run better on 18s than they do on 19s. Um, we tend to find. But yeah, looking forward to seeing both BMW and Audi and Ford and Honda. I think there's a better grid in terms of the mix at the moment than there is in Formula 1. Yeah, and actually, and I quite like seeing the some of the older cars and the, the previous shape Civics running alongside the newer shapes and mm. things like that. It's, it's nice when it's mixed up a bit or, you know, back in Formula One's good old days, you know, Ferrari or Brabham or whoever would release a car and end up using it for two, three, maybe even four years with some updates along the way. Mm. Um, and we've had that recently. I think Super Aguri used the previous year's Honda design one year, didn't they? And actually ended up beating the Works Honda team, which... That's embarrassing. Point. Yes, yeah. more than slightly embarrassing. Although at that stage you would have thought Honda would have just given Super Aguri their new car and had their old one back and yeah, just carried on with finished that. in front of them, just changed the stickers over want, and had done with it. You would want to know why, wouldn't yes, you? You'd want definitely. to know why that's happened. Um, the other thing about BTCC is that it's not money, no object sport that A, it once was, and B, that Formula One is. No. Um, these are hard-working people that quite often do normal day jobs, Smiley, you mentioned earlier, does. He sells cars on a day job. Um, Simpson, Matt Simpson, does race exhausts, proper day jobs, um, most of the week, and then get on it at the weekends and, and really do it. And these are, I think it, it takes a real, real enthusiast to, to want to be able to do that and to be able to sort of sit there in a car having worked ridiculous hours and just like us, really. This is what we are. You know, we are that dedicated. Why, why aren't we racing in the BTCC this year, then? I, um, I don't know. We're doing something slightly wrong, aren't we? Yeah, I, mean, I certainly don't have the talent. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's maybe it. Yeah, that that, that could be a problem. I, I don't have the wrists either, presently. <laughs> uh, so it all kicks off fairly soon. We've got the media day at the end of this month and the first round at both at Brands Hatch. Yeah. Uh, we're going to try and get along to the media day if we can. Work work commitments depending. Oh, we'll we'll do our best yes. to uh, to hop along there. And I really really reporting. want to go to this, and I really want to go to the first race of the season as well. And if I cross everything, including my eyes, we we might uh, we might just make it. We'll, uh, um, we'll do our best. Well, Brands Hatch obviously a nice local venue for us. We were up there not that long ago in our in our fist in our little track yes. fiesta. Well, I was. Yes, I wasn't because I'm a dedicated employee and I was working. Um, I, how... I did say to you you could have the day off. It would have probably meant closing for yes, the day though. Wouldn't that it? would have been, been, been yeah. suboptimal. It, yeah, not great. Not great for the business, but good for me. So the fist went away with with Jim and, and Glambert, um, who's also interested in so many things. Um, and they absolutely tore up. Uh, Brands Hatch managing what was it fifty seven seconds or so? Uh, oh no no it was it was over a minute one oh one oh threes one oh four. Oh no fifty seven like seconds is what the Group N races manage. That's it yeah. So, so I, I thought one oh three was reasonably acceptable to be fair. Road tires with road pads and in a standard state of tune. I think that's that's, that's pretty damn good to be honest. Well, slightly slightly detuned due to the still leaking head gasket, which hasn't fixed itself. Remarkably. No, indeed. But if you do have a Fiesta ST with a fixed head gasket and it is race tuned and you'd like to let us know how fast you go around Brands Hatch, please write to us at UK Motor Talk PO Box something. Well, we popped a, a video up on YouTube that was my attempt at a, uh, at a commentary whilst driving around. I'm uh, narrating a few corners. This, I'm secretly quite impressed by this. 
Um, because all that happens when I go into a corner is I go. Well, there was a bit of swearing where uh, another a car, I think it was a uh, Ford Focus, had just decided that the apex of Druid's hairpin was a really good place to stop. Yes. Unsurprisingly, having cut holes in his car and everything else came off at, was it Paddock, not Paddock Hill, was it? It came off at uh, Graham Hill, I think. Uh, oh, no, he went off, uh, he, he ended up the day sort of backwards in the gravel at Paddock. He'd gone off at Graham Hill. Oh. He'd gone <laughs> off at Clearways. Um, so, yeah, m- most of the... The corners he'd got off, but it was a uh, no, a really good day. We did the the evening. Our first little session out, and it was uh, it was just an evening and ridiculously warm. This Very was warm. this was quite the opposite. We uh, we decided to be brave and book for the the full day. Mm. Um, the the sighting laps were were an eye opener. Just following around the the pace car, just getting a feel for the placing. What's what it was like driving on ice, especially through clearways, just cold, damp, greasy. And, uh, and I thought, well, th- this will be entertaining. If uh, if everybody's getting sideways just on the sighting laps, what's going to happen when the uh, pace car peels in and everyone gets going? So I thought, we'll, uh, we'll play this tactically, pull into the pits as soon as a green flag goes, because there will be an accident within the first two laps, so we'll steer well clear of it. Uh, by the time I'd pulled into the garage and, and pulled round the back, there'd already been a red flag because a radical had shoved it into the barriers. Um, but the, we, we just Spent built up... crash. To, yeah. They, well, no, they got back out again towards the end of the day. Fair play to them. Um, but no, it was, it was a cracking day. The the track just getting quicker and quicker and quicker as it dried out and, mm. and the grip levels increased. And it was a, no, a lovely day out. Glenn's first proper track day out in the car all day. I think he had a whale of a time. And uh, no, the car ran very well. He got surprisingly close to you actually in time, didn't he? In... Yeah, but closes. Yeah, seconds, the first of the yeah, losers and exactly. all that, of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I forget these things. Uh, but no, if, if you are interested, have a look on YouTube at our attempt at commentary and, uh, and let us know what you think. I'm going to change the subject entirely now to something non-car related for a change because you and I had a look at some American-style chopper push bikes with motorbike tyres and things on them, which are pretty cool in themselves and usually quite hard work to cycle about because you have to sit in a funny position and the wheels are so big. Big tyres on them. Yeah, and it's it's a lot of work. But these ones had an electric motor in them. Now, electric motors have got better and better and better over time. And these were the Soul Beach Cruisers, um, which is an interesting name, but a more interesting bike. Now, you can cycle with an electric bike at 14 miles an hour or so on the road, which is... Pedestrian, frankly. <laughs> Might as well be... You, you can reverse... It's better than walking. I, you could reverse at that speed down a road. Well, that's true. Yeah. Um, of course, probably not very good for your engine. Um, but these have an off-road mode. Now, this is what's interesting me. They are capable of hitting somewhere in the order of 40 miles an hour. And you can have a second battery, which means you can take a second battery with you, charge it up and come back home at 40 miles an hour if you're off-road... I do, I, I do like the sound of that Ford. I mean, I think the quickest I've ever hit on my mountain bike downhill was 50, I think it was 51 miles an hour. It was a very, very steep hill. Looking at the uh, the graph and looking on my phone at how many flights I'd climbed, you know, I think it was something stupid like 112 flights, the equivalent I'd climbed all the way riding up the first bit of the ride, which took, I don't know, four hours the route I went. And then the return bit of it took... 
I think, 32 minutes, including this downhill bit, very, very steep hill. But uh, at 51, I, I did get the, the feeling that if I came off, it was really, really, really going to hurt. Yes. But to be able to do that, not far off that speed, uh, just by pressing a button, sounds like fun. And, and it is, when you get to the odd 30-odd miles an hour on a push bike, it feels quick. It does really feel quick. I came down a hill at... Well, I, was try- I came down the hill trying to hit 40 miles an hour uh, when I was much younger and then abandoned it at 39.8, much to my disgust. I went sideways through a fence uh, <laughs> because it just, I couldn't stop. Um, at that sort of speed, coming off would hurt. Mm. Uh, I should imagine you'd end up with more than a grey shin. Yeah, you'd, uh, you'd lose a lot of skin. Yes, you, you would. would get to see what your bones look like, of course. It yes. would be interesting. Yeah, and if you do um, ride a bike or a scooter or whatever you might ride at that sort of speed... Wear the appropriate clothing. You see, frankly, idiots on motorbikes with, you know, t-shirt and shorts. And I'm sure it's fantastic in the summer. Probably not so fantastic in the winter, but fantastic in the summer. But it just, if you get to ever get to see, or have the misfortune of seeing, should I say, an accident where a motorcyclist has come off onto tarmac, it is disgusting. Um, but you wouldn't wish it on anybody. You really wouldn't. Well, obviously in this country, it's only law that you need to wear a helmet. Beyond that. I don't think there's any protection that's that's mandatory, but at the very you can still do it without having to dress up like a Power Ranger. You know, you can get yes. carbon or Kevlar lined jeans, so it looks like a normal pair of jeans, yeah, but sure. it's got all the protection that you need and a and a leather jacket. But at the very least, some some half decent trousers, proper set of boots and gloves as well, just to to save your extremities. Mm. But let's face it, if you want to get somewhere fast, a motorbike is a very cheap way of, of doing that and it's a very good way of doing that because you can get supercar speeds for relatively accessible money. You can buy a superbike and it doesn't cost you more than a Fiesta. Um, and that's, well, in most cases, you know, that obviously there are examples where this isn't the case, but, you know, you can get, you can't match that sort of speed for that sort of money in a car. There's just no way you can do it. However... You also don't have to dress up in full leathers for whatever time of the year, and you don't get wet when it rains, usually in a car, unless you drive around with the roof off or something. So, well, unless you buy something proper, like an aerial atom. Oh, here we go. Back on his <laughs> atom again. Um, up and atom. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's an, uh, there is a, an argument for, for motorbikes, and I think there's, there's bound to be loads of you listening that, that absolutely love your bike, and there is nothing better. And I'm a bit of a rarity that all my neighbours bar one have at least one motorbike some of them have four um very rare yeah and i i obviously don't i just have uh, just have cars but they absolutely love them some of them have no interest whatsoever uh in cars but love their bikes and i can kind of get that but at least you don't need to feel bad about firing up the quattro over winter's morning and waking the neighbors up it yeah it does make the uh does make the, the front windows of their house shake and for that i i apologize to a certain degree see i'll be slightly proud of that yeah, I kind of am. Yeah, let's just not tell anybody. I think we should just talk really briefly about Top Gear. I'm actually quite enjoying it. I think there's too much fake laughter. Yeah, see, I, don't, I think that actually Chris and Matt have got some good chemistry when they're left to it. Chris Harris, when he's the bits where he's being mean to the star in the reasonably fast car, especially in the the early stages of his Top Gear career, were were horrific. He just it didn't work, and and it wasn't him. 
I think he's been allowed to do or they've changed the, the script or whatever it is. How he is more now these days is far, far better. Um, I like the fact, I love the fact that he still calls him Joey because, <laughs> let's face it, Matt LeBlanc is Joey. Uh, I like it when Matt LeBlanc swears because it's unusual to hear Joey swear because it was always a daytime... I'm disappointed by the lack of sandwiches in this series. Lack of sandwiches? Yeah, because it was the whole thing, wasn't it? Joey and the big sandwiches. and they In the first series, they had... The sandwiches in the glove box and all that oh, kind yeah. of thing, yeah? Yeah, that's disappeared, isn't it? But yeah. again, I suppose don't keep a joke running for too long is um, yeah. is quite good. But Which I think the Grand Tour did a few of its jokes for far too long. The, um, I, I think the, the celebrity face-off where a celebrity died in inverted commas every other week was uh, got a bit long in the tooth. I, I, don't, I don't think the Grand Tour is losing anything by being purely the Grand Tour. Um, I watched a couple of the old Top Gear episodes. Um, sorry, Top Gear, it must be a DVD feature that's on Netflix. I'm sure other providers are available. In fact, they are. We know they are, um, including Amazon. Um, and it was just based purely on the road, and it was their tour, and it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. They were just like a Top Gear grand tour. Um, and they're doing that for the next series, and I think that's a very good thing. I agree. What do we think about price sites like CarWow? Uh, it's a very good way of killing the motor industry. I I think I agree, because actually, I think dealers probably will do decent deals if you go down there and say you want to have a deal. It really does screw people down to a very low price. But on CarWow, they advertise the prices that the dealers set. The dealers tell CarWow how much margin they're willing to give away, and CarWow stick that on the internet and then that's it but all it leads to is a, is a race to the bottom um, as mm. if somebody will do something for £100 off somebody else will do it for 101 off 102 off 103 off and so on and so forth and, and eventually you um, yeah you end up with, with no money in the car I mean I was down at the, the local Audi dealership picking up your car actually and there's the showroom's full of cars with a, a sticker price of 30, 40, 50, 60, 80,000 pounds, yep. all marked up with cost price plus a pound. And you're stood in this 10, 15 million pounds worth of glass and aluminium and tiled, carpeted, flat screen TV'd box, uh, all brand new, all very beautifully done. Love a little really drive through service, and the chap brings your car around and you hop in it and drive out and you don't get wet, and it's all lovely. Um, but with a, with a nasty dent to the paintwork as it happens. But um, other than that, all good service. Mm. Um, but at cost price plus a, plus a pound, you've no. got to sell a hell of a lot to um, to pay it all back. Well, you do. If it's, yeah, you'd need to sell a million, wouldn't you, at least? Yeah, and um, it, it's it's just simply not worth it. And then you end up, the dealerships all look at it and go, is it worth it? And eventually all disappear, and then who will the manufacturers have to do all their warranty work? Nobody, because they'll have all gone. I mean, Tesla did a, a U-turn this week, didn't they? They had said, uh, oh, yeah, we've got a really good idea. We'll get rid of all the dealers and put the prices down by a few percent. And then later on in the week said, uh, no, actually, we'll put all the prices up and, um, yeah, we'll have more dealers. Because mm. I think they very quickly realised that actually the cars go wrong and they need somebody to fix them. Yeah. Um, and... I don't know, buying a car is a, is a very big purchase and I still think there's a lot of people out there who'd rather buy it off people rather than an internet. I, I agree. I'm just Particularly thinking. used cars. More yeah. so than new, I think. I think with a new car, does it really matter? Because it's possibly the same car 
it, you know, I, I think it's brand new. If it's not brand new or anything goes wrong with it, you just take it back and say, no, I want my money back, and you'll get your money back, or you'll get another if one. If you're buying a used, and no two cars are the same, new or used, we we know this. No. Uh, and anyone that's ever driven a car and then bought another one exactly the same will know that it wasn't the same as the one they just had because they just aren't. But a used car makes a massive, massive difference. And I looked at several used cars before buying my my current car, and you could see sometimes you just know by standing next to it, no, this isn't the right one. This isn't the right car. You want to um, know it's been driven and owned and looked after by somebody like us, really, don't you? Yeah, unless, of course, that's the kind of car you're buying. I was going to say, unless, <laughs> it, unless it's your Volvo, of course. <laughs> yes, in which case, that has been partially used as a shit. But I make no bones about that. Um, I saw, actually, I saw a Volvo today on the top of one of these car transporters that had taken all scrap cars because there was a B-Max that had been side impacted and the roof had folded in and the middle of the car had folded in and everything else and there was a Volvo which had uh, it was a J-Reg one and the front bumper was hanging off and the bump and the bonnet was bent up and I thought this what on earth did they hit? yes that what must have happened I can only think it must have been big and ah there was an earthquake the other day in Horsham Dorking Dorking Volvo hit something caused it the Earth, yes, that's what happened. I think you could be right. Yes. The Volvo must have been transported in the air somehow, flying at a height of 10,000 feet, and it must have fallen out the back of the plane and crashed into the Earth, and that's what happened. Uh, and, and Exactly. And definitely you need a new bonnet after that. Um, but I, I saw a fantastic picture where a train had fallen off the back of a low loader and hit the front end of a, a, a Volvo. I think it was a V7. A train. A train. Yes, as in a full-size diesel locomotive had fallen off and hit the front, and that, that had done something similar. Seriously, think a transporter do you need to transport a train? Yes, yeah, yeah. Jesus, yeah, a massive, great big. Yeah. I thought they transported trains on train tracks. No, no, they transport trains on road, and they do this particularly for things like the steam trains. Where they go to the Bluebell Railway or Lavender Line or East Kent and East Sussex Railway. There are lots of brilliant types of rowers if you're into that kind of thing um there are lots of them but this was an actual diesel loco they used for um sorry can can we just go back why on earth would you transport a train by road that's expensive to go by train that's like buying a thoroughbred owl and sending it by dhl why would you bother back to these car comparison sites uh five and a bit grand is the best i've got off of a car at the moment which is i think quite reasonable what car is that that is for a brand new audi s3 um, with some metallic paint and a few other bits and pieces on, nothing too flash. Because obviously, if it goes over forty grand, um, you end up paying more tax. Yes, because of, well, vehicle excise duty based on emissions, which goes up for yeah. expensive cars. It's one of those things that is irritating, and I really should care about it, but I don't. <laughs> Just another reason to tax. I, I don't really understand car tax and. This has been, for many years, a big rant of mine because actually it makes no sense to tax on emissions because you don't recompensate the environment for it, really, do you? For the, and no, you don't, vehicle excise duty is not... It doesn't get ploughed back into planting trees or... No, well, it, part of it might well, but it might well be now an environmental research. But if you really want to tax something and you're really worried about the environment and everything else, and I can understand, I get it, tax fuel put the money per litre on fuel, whatever way you want to do it. If you're using more fuel, you pay more tax. So as well as the the base price of the fuel and then the fuel duty tax and then the value-added tax, which goes on on the the base price of the fuel and the tax 
tax. You'd have another tax. We'd have another tax on that. Yeah, but this. Uh, but would we slot that in in between the fuel duty tax and the value added tax, so that we had value added tax on the emissions tax? Well, I think bearing in mind all the value we get out of. Well, I don't know. Do we get any value out of the tax? Probably don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a misnomer, the term value-added tax, isn't it? Yes, you don't because really get any value. there's no value-added, it's just tax. It is just tax. But if you have a Jaguar XK120, if you have an E-Type in the garage, if you've got a Metro, who cares, and you don't drive it except for the odd Friday... I mean, to be fair, a lot of the classic cars now be tax-exempt if they're not... You know, 40 years old, whatever. But if you have, I don't know, a retro car, um, you've got a Mark 1 Golf. You drive it once in a blue moon, once a month, twice a month, whatever it might be. Should you be paying as much or more tax? If you're driving, I don't know, 500 miles a week, 1,000 miles a week, should you be paying more tax? Yes. Yes, that makes sense. If you come into the country and you've driven across from France, you fill up your car over here because you're driving over here and you're using the roads, should you pay tax? Yes. Yes. So why why yeah. pop this, it in fuel? Yeah. Why is that unreasonable? And if you don't want to do it in fuel, fine. Do it on vehicle weight. Do it. At least it makes. But uh, but that that again then penalises the Tesla, doesn't it? Because the latest vehicle Unlucky. excise duty emissions reform made it far more economical to run a V8 Mustang and less economical to run a Tesla. Yeah, it's madness. It's absolute madness. Um, and road tax has got really bizarre. I recently had to do the insurance for a few of my cars. And this was... Um, first world problems. First world <laughs> problems, yeah, indeed. I had to reinsure the Mini. Now, the Mini, I've been driving for some years now. And well, what I'm trying to think, I've been driving since 2005. I've got all the no claimsy bonusy bits and pieces. Thank you very much. I try not to drive into people and I try and stop people from driving into me best I can. So the road, the, the insurance for me now is pretty good, 160 quid, just under 160 quid for a year's insurance. That's not bad. And it's not bad, it's less than I was paying per month for my first car. So I, I'm, I'm really happy about this. The road tax bill came through at the same time, £320. Oh. Unless you're paying monthly, in which case it's 330 something. 320 quite literally double. That's what my car a lot insurance. of money, isn't it? It is, yeah. And you think, Really, does it have that much of an impact on, on the world in general and the roads and everything else? Bearing in mind, you only spend whatever it is, 25-27% of road tax on the roads. No, but I think we've got far more pressing environmental issues than CO2 or... Planes. Emissions, if I'm totally honest. Even putting aside planes, I think plastic and uh, bits and pieces like that, the amount of rubbish that we produce as a, as a species as quite frankly ridiculous the amount of the planet that we're just filling up with non-biodegradable crap basically and for those of you who think that we are just you know heartless petrol heads that like to stamp on a throttle and have the sound of the the fuel being converted to pure noise out of the back of a v8 you are you're right but the most economical thing you can really do is have an old car keep it going definitely yeah, and if you do have more than one car, if you're fortunate enough to have more than one car, well done you, because you are spreading your carbon footsteps. <laughs> now, you might have seen on that note um, that we tweeted about plastic roads earlier on. Um, now, this seems like a great idea, because there's a lot of plastic. Uh, a lot of it's still not recyclable, it's black stuff. Uh, and there have been a few ideas. So you've got, this is a plastic road, we've seen regenerative roads, regenerative... <laughs> 
difficult without your teeth in, isn't it? And potentially very difficult on a lot of painkillers, but roads that will effectively power street lamps as they drive along because they, they produce enough um, energy. Is it kinetic energy? I assume it probably is kinetic energy. They can turn into normal, regular, fill up a light energy. And some other brilliant bits and pieces they've turned, as a sidetrack, unusual for us, I know, they've turned some of the street lamps into electric car charging posts, which is a brilliant idea. Makes sense, because they're powered. So and they're on the side of a road in most cases, so very good. Um, they've effectively used plastic waste uh, to be able to make roads. Now, the first factory um, has opened up uh, in Dumfries, and they're taking rubbish, which would have gone otherwise to landfill, uh, and using it to, to effectively make tarmac. Uh, this sounds like it should be good for drifting. I like the sound of this. It could yes. be awfully slippery when wet. You do wonder, don't you, really? I mean, but what is what is plastic made of? It's, it's oil, isn't it, really? Yes. Hydrocarbons made in a different way around. There's, whatever it is, there's very little difference between a margarine and a plastic bag, isn't there, there's, in terms of the, their makeup. Yeah, um, there's also very little difference between you and a banana in terms of genetic makeup. What are you trying to say? Oh. <laughs> For the purposes of the tape, Jim just shrugged. Um, but but this is this is exciting, and I think if we want to really make a change, and I think we do, and it isn't necessarily banning petrol cars, and I think it, the idea that we are going to suddenly do away with all cars and trucks and everything else is a fantasy, frankly, because everything runs on it. If you've got a synthetic fuel, fine, but let's let's be a lot more conscious about what we make and what we do, and, and I think we are. Manufacturers use hemp in production now. Um, they use old jeans and T-shirts for sound insulation. They recycle metal. Bamboo, I think, is making cars loads, these days. Loads and loads of things that help make a difference. And do we shout about it? Not really. No, not loud enough. Yeah, there are so many things that go into making a car that it's difficult to make a car. Let's let's get this straight. It's difficult to make a car. To make a car that's fantastic to drive is difficult. To make a car that's fantastic to drive is economical and environmentally friendly. Uh, we, why do we not see the marvel in what we're already doing and why don't we do more of it? And amongst these things is Volvo restricting the speed of cars and that's pointless. Well, it is. I was always... Of the opinion that you need enough power to get you out of trouble, yes, as well as get you into trouble. Well, the, the, and the power is is fine. They're not necessarily worried about that, but they're restricting the speed. To something like one hundred, it's one hundred twenty one, one hundred twelve miles an hour. Some some number. Why? Well, if you're doing that sort of speed anyway, you're probably on an autobahn. Yes. Uh, at which point, then you'd be doing one hundred fifty five. But is this a GPS linked speed limit or just a speed limiter for the top speed? It's it's just the top speed. That is it. I mean, they are talking about GPS linking speed and everything else to try and stop you from being able to see the speed limit. But yeah, so the, well, um, the Japanese have limited their cars for years, haven't they? Hundred and eleven, I think. Hundred and sixteen. Something, but like it, that. Is, it is something like that. But again, yeah. having having said that, if all cars were limited to seventy miles an hour, well, if you're doing seventy miles an hour in a thirty, then you're an idiot. Yes. Whereas if you're doing 84 miles an hour on the motorway at 3 o'clock in the morning and there's not another car on the road. Yeah. That's it, okay. And, and of course, for legal reasons, we can't say that that's okay. Um, but... Your own private stretch of motorway. If you're on your own private stretch of motorway, fine, yes. You've got to ask the question, does it really make a difference limiting cars to 112 miles an hour? No. No. 
What we're going to do now is try to think of an environmentally friendly way of bringing you a podcast. And we've done, in fact, we don't need to worry about it. We've just done it. This is environmentally friendly. <laughs> we're creating noise pollution by talking to you. Although we have consumed a uh, dark vegetable-based soft drink into plastic bottles. Where are they going to end up? On the next bit of road. So we're going to drive home on what we've drunk. And but don't drink drive, because that's bad. Yes. And I've run out of painkillers. So all that means, it's time for us to go. It's been a pleasure talking to you, as always. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Jim's been chatting about F1 at great length, so he's really enjoyed it. And I'd like to remind you the noise he was, he was making when, uh, uh, when he looked at that Chrysler and he sounded like he was really enjoying that. So it's been great. We'll see you guys later on. Thank you for listening to us, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Bye for now. UK Motor Talk, a first take media production.